And the second reading is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much. So our, our text comes from the book of Colossians. That's page 1,183 if you want to look at it in the church Bibles. Recently, I celebrated the birthday of a friend of mine. And at the event, it, it got me thinking because all of us were gathered together for the occasion. Some had come from far away and we gathered together for this meal, and in that moment, I still had the same responsibilities, the same anxieties, the same concerns in life, but at that moment, for the length of our lunch together, it was a celebration. And I began to wonder, what, what do I celebrate in spiritual terms? What do I celebrate as a Christian? Well, if we look at Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, the, the letter that we're studying now, I think Paul is also dealing with this question. He's writing to a new church. We might call it a church plant. Uh, it's a new church, and Paul is warning them that they're celebrating the wrong things. I mean, it makes a difference what we celebrate. Some people think we shouldn't celebrate birthdays. Uh, maybe they have a point, but Paul is saying when it comes to Christianity, we need to be careful that we celebrate the right things. He says there in chapter 1, beginning at verse 21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So that's the great truth. The great truth of the entire Bible. Paul is writing to men and women who were once alienated from God, from their creator, but now they've been reconciled to him. Once they were alienated, but now they know God. And this is the same truth that we cling to today. But the Colossians, they're, they're just like us. They've added to this truth. There's, there's different ways of adding to it, but it seems like there's some kind of tradition or set of rules which is the problem. And we read in chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So the problem here for the Colossians is that they were adding to Christ. They were depending on tradition rather than Christ. That 
by not handling certain things, by not tasting certain foods, by controlling their behavior, they'd be reconciled to God. They would be spiritually clean. Now, how does this apply to me? I'm, I'm not captive to hollow or deceptive philosophy. I'm a free thinker. I mean, that's the phrase. Uh, I know this, it's kind of a loaded phrase, but um, that's what I like to believe. I like to think that I'm, I'm an independent man. And, and I've thought this week, you know, I love, I love the prayer book. I love the Book of Common Prayer. I pray the daily office in the mornings, and it's, an, it's a great time for me. But I've thought this week, it's a tradition. It's a human tradition. And the reason, the reason prayer has power is because I'm reconciled. Because I'm, I'm reconciled to God by Christ. So this is about diagnosing our hearts. Paul is asking us to look into our hearts and think about what we celebrate. And what do we celebrate in spiritual terms? Well, Paul gives two answers to this question in our text. Celebrate, Paul says, because of what we share. And celebrate because of who we follow. So those will be our, our headings this afternoon, what we share and who we follow. Right, so, so what we share, it's a surprise. I mean, if, if we look in, in chapter 2, verse 20, the first verse of our reading, it's a surprise, the thing that we share. It, it's, it's not at all what I expected. He says, since you died with Christ. Since, since you died, really? I, I often think about the Christian life, I don't often think about the Christian death, and, and he's quite positive about it, isn't he? Well, it means the rules have changed. Paul is saying we, we died to the basic principles of this world. The word here is also translated as the elemental spirits or the elemental truths. We died to the elemental truths of this world. The world was also, uh, this, this word here was also used to refer to the shadow of the sundial the shadow that indicated the time of day. So Paul is saying, stop looking at the clock. Take off your watch. You're free. It's time to celebrate. The elemental truths, how, how could we describe those? Well, it's like that expression, that, that wise expression of the ancients. It's very scholarly. I'm sure you've, you've uh, read it in many books, that the expression that says, no pain, no gain. That's the truth of this world, isn't it? that we must work and work to succeed, to earn, to prove ourselves. And Paul is saying, no, Christian, this does not apply to you. In, in military terms, we'd say the war is over. There's a, there's a book about the Second World War, very, uh, very beautifully written, How War Came by the historian David Watt. And he says that when victory was declared, that in Britain and America, there was Mafe King, in the streets. It's the word he uses, king. I had to look this word up. I had no idea what this meant. I mean, this is one reason why he's, he's a good writer. He's incredible. Um, well, it, it's a bit of a complex history, but the word means boisterous rejoicing. There was king in the streets. And, that, and that's what Paul is saying here. Why, why are you still dressed in that uncomfortable uniform hold, holding a weapon? Where's the boisterous rejoicing? The spiritual war is over. It's time to celebrate. At once, I was alienated from God, but now in the present, at this very moment, I am reconciled to him. I can pray to him. And I've been thinking this week, you know, why, why do I not act this way? Why do I think I can only approach God if I follow certain rules? And I think it's because I like to think I contribute. 
that spiritually speaking, I'm helping to fight the war, that I'm a good soldier, that somehow my relationship with God depends on my actions. And that's tiring, isn't it? Because when I break the rules, when I don't treat God the way I should, or when I don't treat others how I should, I feel so depressed, as if the war might be lost. But, but here I've been challenged that Paul says, it's over. And it's a great relief. It means that my actions, my feelings, they can't change how God responds to me. In Christianity, we symbolize this with, with, with baptism, that moment when we die with Christ, when we share in, in his death to the elemental truths of this world, and we rise to new life. And that death, it's a release, a fixed moment in time. From that point on, our relationship with God no longer depends on our actions, our relationship is repaired. So this week I've been asking myself, where, where am I acting like no pain, no gain? Where am I acting like I need to suffer to earn God's approval? Because that might be how life works in this world, but it's not how God treats us. Paul says we should celebrate that we're dead to this way of life. Well, doesn't this sound a bit glib or, or macabre? I mean, celebrate because we're dead? I mean, why, why is Paul using this language? It celebrates my word, but I'm, I'm using it to get across the meaning of his question there in verse 21. And I would say that Paul is speaking wisely and truthfully because he goes on to say that we didn't die alone. We died with Christ. Christ is the one we are united with. He's the one we follow. And this is our second point. We celebrate because we follow Christ. The outdoor, the outdoor Swimming Society. There's a society for this, apparently, outdoor swimming. And it's grown from 300 followers in 2006 to 40,000 members this year. It's like a tribe, says the society's founder, Kate Rue. It used to be an eccentric thing, people doing it once or twice as a dare, but now it has an entire identity gives you such a feeling of mental calmness and physical robustness that it turns people into missionaries. Everyone who tries it tells their friends and they bring another five people. Well, this is from an article I read this week and one of the leaders of this movement is known as the Iceman. The Iceman, he, he shows how swimming in cold water and ice baths improve your health. I mean, this is, this is what, what he claims anyway. And, and this, is, uh, this is what he said at one of his events recently in London. It was a big room and, uh, you know, in the photographs, it looks sort of like yoga. Everyone's half naked and practicing breathing techniques. And the Iceman says, release all trauma. Liberate your future, your mind, your soul. Who are you? What are you? And this, this tracks with Paul, doesn't it? That, that sense of alienation, that trauma that we feel in life. These are profound problems that are being dealt with here. Who am I? What am I? And in an interview, the Iceman, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm taking him at his word. He says his, his mission is to bring happiness, strength, and health to all. It's a birthright. But if you want to become strong, happy, and healthy, you'd better do this stuff. That's what he says. Well, at this point, we start to see the difference. By the way, if you're an outdoor swimmer, welcome to Christchurch. Uh, it's great to have you. I'm not trying to pick a fight uh, here with swimmers or with the Iceman. 
Um, it's, it's fascinating. Outdoor swimming is, is a great activity, I'm sure, and, and my boxing coaches are just as metaphysical, I, I promise you. But, but remember the, the problem that Paul mentions, that essential problem in chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 21, our alienation from God. If we follow the Iceman, maybe we'll be able to swim outside. We can swim the cam year-round. That's quite an achievement. But, I mean, maybe we'll even be strong, happy, and healthy. But we still die. And we die without solving our greatest problem, our alienation from God. That's why Paul warns against those regulations in verse 23. Indeed, they have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. That's the problem. Paul's, he's not attacking hobbies. He's attacking that tendency we have to think discipline means forgiveness, to think spiritual pain equals gain. And that's why as Christians we, we can celebrate. We've died. Not with the Iceman. We've died with Christ. That's why this is so sweet. Christ expects nothing from us. The Iceman says we must follow his techniques, training our bodies to swim in ice water, the breathing techniques, the exercises. But Christ does all the work himself. Once we were alienated from God, but now he has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That is a leader to celebrate. He takes us where we need to go. He takes us to our destination. He deals with that alienation even if we sometimes feel otherwise. So we celebrate because of what we share and because of who we follow. We celebrate because we've died to the elemental truths of this world. And we celebrate because we've died with Christ. A moment now as we close to reflect on how to apply these truths to remember the death we share as Christians, that, that fixed moment in the past when our relationship with God was restored. It might, it might be that we just need to say, thank you, Lord, for that time. Thank you. For that moment when you forgave us. Or maybe, maybe it's about the way we approach God more generally. Where are we trying to suffer to gain his approval? Or what about the leader we follow? Maybe, maybe in this time of political uncertainty, it's helpful to remind ourselves that we follow Christ. That he is the one with whom we die, and he is the one with whom we will rise again. Amen.